Good morning, Reach Church. All right, so if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can do that. All right, we're off. All right, so uh, we've been walking through different pictures of the church uh, in our series called uh, I Love My Church. I Love My Church. And the heart behind that is that that first we'd recognize that we're just not just kind of this group of people. We are people brought together that Jesus loves, that Jesus is pouring his grace upon, that he's, he's lavishing grace upon, the beloved of, of Christ. And the hope is that once we realize that, we would then turn and say, you know what, I, I think I love the church too, that we love the church, that uh, the universal church of Christ, that's why we're, we're supporting Happy Life Children's Home, that's why we're, we're part of this larger community, but also that we love our church right here, that we love to, to come together, to gather, to be this kind of local expression of the body. Now, with it being Father's Day, uh, happy Father's Day, by the way, um, we are looking at the church as the family of God. The family of God. Now, this is fairly appropriate. Um, and the hope is that this would shape, um, first, our, our interactions with God himself that if we are the family, that we'd see him as father, that we'd know how he regards us as father, how he sees us, what, what we really actually still owe him, what that looks like. That we'd understand our relationship to, the, to our brother, Jesus Christ. That we'd understand how, how he is the son, how we are sons, how he is our older brother. And then finally, that we'd understand how we relate to one another. How are we supposed to be the church? How are we supposed to be a family? What does that look like? How can we actually start to move towards that? And the thing that we think is going gonna, is gonna to establish us all is that the grace of Jesus needs to be the kind of foundation for the family that, that this family is built upon, the grace of Jesus, that we receive it from God, we receive it from Jesus Christ, we receive it from one another, and then we give it to one another. That this family is built upon grace. Now with that in mind, let's pray and we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Father, we thank you that we can even pray to you as Father. We thank you that we do not stand on ourselves or our own righteousness. We stand upon Jesus, that we can call ourselves sons and daughters because we are in Jesus, united to him. Father, we ask that we would understand how you love us, how you regard us, how you delight in us. Father, would we be true children? Would you protect us from being slaves to the law or being slaves to sin, being slaves to anything, but that we'd be children, children in your house. Father, by your spirit, I ask that you would um, shape our hearts, that you would give us a great delight in the work of Jesus, and Father, you give us great freedom to be this family that you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... In what sense are we, the church, the family of God? Now, there's the first sense in which God is Father, as God is Father. We'll just talk about the Father first. Uh, and there's a general sense that he is the, he's the creator, and so everything that, that was created by him, he is the father of, in a sense. So he's the father of every tree, he's the father of every squirrel. Uh, he is the father of, of all humanity, All right, when we're talking about being the family of God, we are not talking about it in that sense. All right, we're not talking about 
keeping all the children of God in kind of like the hippie sense, and that there's there's the Earth Mother, and we're all we're all related to her somehow. And all right, and if if that's how you're thinking about being a child of God, you're you're missing the, the joy of it, and you're missing the true extent of it. Because the reality is that that, that would have been fine to say that we were all the fa- the children of God, if we'd stayed that way. But the problem is that we, we sinned. We chose to rebel against this father. We, we decided we didn't want to be part of this family. We, we abandoned a long time ago. And Jesus actually, he, he looks at, at mankind in their sin, and he says, you know what, like, I know you're supposed to be the children of God, but in reality, if I look at your lives, and I look at the the lies and the manipulation and the pride and the self-righteousness and the competition and the gossip and all of this stuff. Like you, look like, you look like your father. You look like you are children of wrath, children of Satan even. And so we, like, can't, we can't just say like, oh, yeah, like, let's just all be the children of God. Let's just all be a part of the family. Like, no, it's, there's a disconnect there we're seeing that we're not actually the children we want to be. And that we need something more than just this kind of universal call to be the children of God. We need to be adopted back again. We need to be adopted back into the family. We need to be received back. And ultimately, we need to do something with this fact that we are the children of wrath, that we do have this sin that is disconnecting us from the Father. And with that in mind, uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 1.3. Uh, and this is a, a passage about our adoption, about how we get adopted into the family of God, that he actually does something. So, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's Paul? Paul's, Paul, the writer of this letter, he's saying like, all right, we praise the Father, we praise the Son, the, the Father of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of the real Son, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So it's not that we bless ourselves. It's not that we earn blessing. The Father comes and he blesses us in Christ. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. All right, this is saying that how did you become adopted into the family, because before the foundation of the world, God chose you to be his child. Now, that's how adoption works. Adoption works that you don't, you don't get to pick your parents. The parents come and pick you, and they choose you, and God chose those who you'd be united to Christ, in Christ, before the foundations of the earth were laid, that we should be holy and blameless before him. All right, this isn't saying he chose us so that we could try really hard to be blameless and holy. No, he chose us to call us, to, to wash us clean and make us blameless and holy. That he chose us before the foundation of the world, and he said, you know what, these people I'm going to, I'm going to wash clean, I'm going to make my own. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself, as sons through Jesus Christ. There was only one real son, the eternal son of God, and he said, you know what, I'm going to wash clean 
all these rebels, all of these children of wrath, and through my real son, I'm going to give them sonship. That when you're united to Jesus, you are, you are received as a son, the firstborn eternal son of God, blameless and holy. Adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. All right. Do we notice something here? Uh, I hope is we notice how, how active God is in all of this and how this really isn't up to us. Now, I hope that's a comfort to us because it's not like we aren't, are never working to become the children of God. We are not working to be the family of God. We are received into it. And God is very active in this process. He predestines, he, he chooses, he works according to the counsel of his will he blesses, we are not earning these blessings. He's pouring this upon us. Now, I hope you take some comfort in that, because that means that if he's doing it, like, you, you are not maintaining this, you are not working hard to make sure that you can do this enough. Like, he did it way before you ever even had, a, had any skin in the game. And you are called, and you are chosen, and you are chosen to be blameless and perfect, in the beloved Jesus Christ. All right, that's what we're talking about when we talk about being the children of God. Not in this vague, fuzzy sense, but in this like definite sense. Not that he, he might like you somewhat. No, that you are perfect and holy and beloved. Because you are in Jesus, the perfect, holy, blameless, beloved son. And there's all kinds of benefits that we can talk about that, that kind of pour out of that. All right, we think about our inheritance, that Jesus, Jesus by his perfection, he earned an inheritance. He earned all the riches of God, and when we are in Jesus, like, we earn those same, that same inheritance of eternal life, of joy and blessing and standing before the Father blameless. All right, we think, of, uh, we think of the personal relationship we have with God now. There's a reason we start our prayers with Father and not Lord or King or Almighty. We start with Father because like, we're approaching him as children approaching their, their dad. All right, a picture of this. Um, so I wanted to use Remy as an example because Remy's amazing and he's mine. Um, <laughs> but he's only two. So uh, I wanted to be like, okay, so like the son has complete access to the father. All right, the problem is Remy can't quite open doors yet. So he doesn't have full access. Like you just like, you see the, the handle jiggling a little bit. Um, I always think of Jurassic Park, you know, when like the, then they learn how to open doors and you're like, he's about there. He's about to learn. Uh, the Sandy Covers haven't seen that movie, probably, you know, too, too young. Um, uh, all right, but I thought instead of uh, the head pastor, Pastor Chuck, and he has a son. Now, ordinarily, Pastor Chuck, he, like, he's in his office, and if he's in his office, he is not disturbed. All right, and we, like, we, like whisper outside of his door, like, can we, can we go in? I, I, no, don't go in. Don't disturb him. Uh, and then CJ... His middle school son comes in. 
And CJ practically kicks down the door. And he hears, Dad, when's lunch? Like, and, and we were all like, oh, CJ, like, stop. And no, it's totally fine. He has p- complete permission to do that. And like, his relationship is such to Chuck that like, Chuck says, like, oh, yeah, I, we need to get lunch. Oh, we'll do it. It doesn't matter if he's in a meeting. It doesn't matter what's happening. Like, he has total access. And there's a, there's a beauty there that he understands that's his relationship to his father. All right, we should have that kind of relationship to God because he is our father, and we have total access. We don't have to cower before him. We don't have to like whisper, like, are we going to upset him? Is this worthy of calling upon God? No. And we don't have to assess our day and say, like, how good of a son have I been today? Like, maybe I won't go in. No, like, go in. Go, go be with God. Go be with your father. All right, we have, we have the blessing of being beloved by God. Now, Zephaniah talks about how God, God sings songs of delight over us. All right, none of you are earning songs of delight to be sung over you. All right, none of, none of us are that good. But it, because we are in Jesus, God does do that. Our Father delights in us and rejoices in us and sees us in Christ. All right, why do I say this? I say this because, like, you really didn't earn it. You really didn't earn your adoption. You don't stand before God trying really hard. And that brings us to, a, to our next point, which, which is the struggle that we have. We don't actually believe this. We don't actually believe this. We try to believe it, and we talk about it each week because we don't believe it. But the problem is we... We are supposed to live as sons, but instead we live as slaves, as slaves. This is the constant thing that we're always going back to, is that we think we have to be slaves to the law. We think we have to be slaves to, to sin still, that we have to be slaves to works and achievements. And, and the reality is, no, we need to live as children. They were not working for it any longer. You are not slaves. And if you aren't delighting in the just total satisfaction of God, then you are living as a slave, not a son. Look at Galatians 4.4. 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Right, he's talking about how, how it happened, that Jesus, Jesus went to the cross, he died, he redeemed us, he washed us clean, he cleaned. He put his perfection over us, not so we could try hard, but so we could be adopted as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. All right, Paul is writing this because he's, he recognizes that the temptation is to keep going back to works, to keep trying hard, to keep forgetting about the cross and the work of Jesus, to forget about our adoption. And he's saying, no, like, live there. The Holy Spirit wants you to cry out, Abba, Father, not to, to toil and look at the law and, and look at your sin every moment of every day. You have freedom. Enjoy your position as sons. You are not slaves anymore. 
Now, Jesus has a, has a story about this. He has a story of, of the difference between a son and a slave. Uh, we're going to look at Luke 15, which may be recognized by the reference, the prodigal son. Luke 15. Luke 15, 11. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all, all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the field to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here in hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Right, the plan was to go back to be a slave. That maybe, maybe I, I'll just ignore the fact that I'm a son. I'll just go back as a hired hand. I'll go back and, and I'll work. I'll work before the father. That's the plan. Whenever we sin, we go, we go back to this, this plan. It's the same plan that we all try to do. Maybe I'll try to earn it again. And when he arose, he came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is the total denial of the son, even as his father is hugging and embracing and kissing him, but he still can't receive it. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. All right. You will sin. You will sin, and you will use even the gifts that the Father has given you to go squander it on reckless living. And you'll be in need, and you'll, you'll look at your sin and how you've run from the Father. And you think, you think we are, okay, I need to go back to trying really hard. I need to go back to be a, a hired hand, like, no, if you are in Jesus, you are always a son. You are only a son. You're a son or a daughter that is loved and beloved. And when you show up to the Father once again, he doesn't show up to, to scream at you. He embraces and has compassion, and he puts the inheritance back upon you. He clothes you once again. He kills the fattened calf. He, he puts rings on your fingers. That is our stance before God. That cannot be changed because it wasn't about you, it was about Jesus. Now, the hard part about this is the older brother. 
the older brother. So let's, let's look at 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he was received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. All right. You will encounter older brothers in the church. You will. You will encounter older brothers who look at your sin and look at what you've done and will judge you and will condemn you and are trying to be competitive with you. This was the Pharisees in Jesus' day that people were coming and being saved and, and the Pharisees were condemning them and, and failing to rejoice because they, they, they weren't getting what was coming to them. All right. Now, why did Jesus tell this parable? Now, he, he's rebuking the Pharisees here. He's rebuking the older brother because they don't understand grace. They don't understand the Father. All right, so uh, if you identify with the older brother in this story, all right, that's really dangerous. The reality is if, if you identify with the older brother, you might not be a Christian. That's what Jesus is saying here. Because the reality is, like, if you really understand your sin, if you really understand who you are, we are all prodigal sons. We are all prodigal sons. That when he says this thing about, like, I never disobeyed you at all, ever, like, that's just not true. And if you think that that's you and you think that, like, how dare someone else receive grace, you are in total denial. You are either a prodigal son who is saved because by grace, or you're a Pharisee who's in denial about your sin and you, you're dead in your trespasses. And the people who are still trying, the people who are still slaves, they're in that second category. You don't want to be in that category. You want to be a prodigal. Be a prodigal who is excited to receive the grace of Jesus, who's receiving the Father delighting in him because he doesn't deserve it. All right. None of you are older brothers. You can think you are, but you're not. All right. There is one older brother. There is one older brother. His name is Jesus. And when Jesus heard that his, his younger brother had squandered his inheritance but had come running back to the father, what did Jesus, our older brother, say? He said, well, I still have half of my inheritance. Here, he can have my inheritance. He can have my robe. He can have my ring. I've, I've earned all these things. I've earned a fattened calf. He can have it. And the punishment for his sin, like, oh, I'll, I'll die for that. I'll die for that. I'll take the whole punishment and I will go to the party. I will provide my own blood and body to provide the, 
the wine and bread at this party. Like, that's how much Jesus is excited to, to see us restored. That's why he's so mad at the Pharisees, because they don't just like, by trying to be the older brother, they're, they're totally missing the whole cross. Please live as, as sons and daughters. Live as those that, that God delights in, that he's just waiting to pour grace upon. All right, that's not going to turn you into a, a crazy, licentious sinner. That's going to turn you into someone who loves Jesus and loves a father and wants to serve him and glorify him and lift him up. Now, last, last. What does this mean? What does this mean for us as the people of God, as the family of God? All right. Uh, I mean, there's something unique about families. And I think that probably the best thing about families is, uh, whether they like it or not or see it or not, uh, families are a place of grace. They're a place of grace. Even if we don't want it, they, they have to be because, like, all right, I have done meaner things to my brother, and he's done meaner things to me than anyone else I've ever met, but he's still my brother. There's this inherent grace there. And we have to work through it. And you have to forgive each other. And you just have to move on. And that's how the family is supposed to work. That's why it's like supposed to be this immensely stable, beautiful thing that like you can fully be yourself. Your full, sinful, terrible self. And you'll be treated like you'll be, you'll be disciplined for it. You'll be loved, loved in spite of it. You'll stay in the family. You'll be called to, to repentance and forgiveness and restoration. But like the fact that that whole relationship is so stable because it's not about you, it's not about what you do, you don't have to try to stay in it. It's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of how we stand in Christ. And that's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be this group of people who like cannot be torn apart because we are brought together to be a people of grace. And we give grace to one another and we receive grace from one another. And there's supposed to be this like total commitment one to another that like, you know, I don't care if you sin against me. Like I'm gonna have to forgive you and we're gonna work this out. That's where this whole culture of like church shopping or Oh, like, what can I get out of the Sunday service so I can get filled up and, and just kick on out of here? Like, that's just not the culture because it's, no, there's supposed to be this foundation where, like, you're not going anywhere. We're, we're in this together. And that's the context for growth and rebuke and for taking off your masks and wearing your pajamas and not having makeup on and the house being dirty. Like, families get to do that because they know where they stand. And there's a beauty in that kind of family relationship. Now, uh, are we that? Are we that? I think we try to be that. Uh, some of us are more that than others. Um, but I think we are called to be that. We are called to, to be the older brothers who give grace to one another. Who die for the sake of others. 
who invite people into our lives, who have people over for dinner, who talk about our sins and our struggles, like who are with each other. Now, I recognize that means changing your life. You don't get to be this lone wolf or this lone little family circle. Um, You're called to know your family members and to pursue them and get to know them and pour grace upon them. If If you see a member of the church in need, like, that's your family. And you're as responsible for them as taking care of your kids. Like, that's the reality of what the church is supposed to be. Now, that takes a lot of sacrifice. That takes being like Jesus. That takes believing that this is really the family. Your identity is more in Jesus and in the Father than, than in your earthly identity. All right. But there's a second part that you have to be too. And I think this is the one that it's harder for us. We also have to be the younger brother. We have to be people who are willing to, to need grace and to ask for forgiveness, and to be people in need. And not just invite people over to our house, but actually be willing to go to someone else's house. <laughs> and not be the person in, in power, like to, to be weak and needy and vulnerable. And I think that's the thing that we're, we're not willing to do. Because we think that'll kick us out of the church, or that'll prove that we're not good enough Christians. It, it's, all, it's all orphan stuff and slavery stuff. Like, we want to be a community that you can take off your masks and you can be sinners and you can offer grace and forgiveness to one another because you know that we're not going anywhere. That's the goal. That's the goal. And that, that's a beautiful thing for us, but that's also a beautiful thing for the world. That as we deal with the world, that people just move a lot. They're not close to their family. And people in the midst of toxic relationships are, are cutting themselves off and, and isolated in their community. They're cut off from their family. Or their family has failed them and there's no other place. If we are to them the family of God, like that's such a beautiful picture of the gospel. That they can come here and actually receive grace and be themselves and, and be welcomed wholly and fully like that will, that will help restore and move people towards Jesus. Amen? All right. Any questions? Candy. Uh, Peter, the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal Yes. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, oh, okay, the question was, uh, why, does, why does the Father say that all belongs to you and all is yours? Uh, essentially, why are, you, why are you questioning what you might get? Um, I'm not sure, Candy. Um, it could be that, that the, if, the, if the Son is actually living under grace, then he recognizes that like, he's not being shortchanged, he's not losing anything. Um, I think if you take the picture that he's supposed to be Jesus, then it's that like, all these things were given to Jesus and they're poured out upon us through Jesus. Um, but all, parallels, all parables start to collapse after a while. So I'd probably 
chalk it up more to that. That, yeah, he's still a son. Um, and that is how you treat a son. I would say that the Pharisees, in some sense, don't even fit that category because they're not sons fully. Um, but I'd say that's limits of parables. Yeah. Norma, is that a scratch or a lift? Yeah. All right, good. <laughs> All right, any other questions? That I can skirt around <laughs> like I did candies? <laughs> that was a tough question, candy. Brutal. <laughs> Brutal. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we, um, we don't really believe this or else we would be, we'd be different people. We'd be joyous people. We would... Uh, we would stop trying to, to perform and look good and, and try to be good enough children and work for you, but we would, we would just delight in, in who you are and, and what you've done for us. So, Father, would you, would you move us one step closer to believing these things? Would we see Jesus and see that, that he is the older brother who has given us his inheritance, who's given us his his robe, his ring, his whole life, who has given us his perfection, his blamelessness, his, he has earned his, his beloved status, and we have it because of Jesus. Father, we ask that you would knit us together as the family that you call us to be. We ask that these things would not just pass us by, that we wouldn't look into the mirror and forget what we look like, but that we'd see and change and, Father, glorify Jesus and, and proclaim his name and really live like these things are true. Father, would you show us how we can change and how we can shape our lives around the truth of the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.